Welcome, welcome once again to 720 and 720. This is John Schulman. And for you Tennessee fans out there, we have your ultimate, ultimate player that everybody loved because I think, Dane, everybody could relate to you. Dane Bradshaw, welcome to 720 and 720. Hey, man, thrilled to be on. I don't know if I deserve that intro. You might have let a lot of people down, but uh, nevertheless, I'm here for the next 20 minutes. Well, let me just tell you something. They can relate to you because you're unathletic. Uh, that's yeah. what that's what I'm talking about. No, I'm just messing with you. I I, I, I think you nailed it down perfectly. I can't argue that. No, I tell you what you were, because um, I followed your career. Uh, we weren't. I, I was never at a place good enough to recruit you. Uh, what you were is you were a winner. And did you were you a unbelievable athlete? No. Were you a great shooter? No. Were you this? No. Were you that? No. But at the end of the game. For whatever reason, you always had more points than your opponent. Is that correct or incorrect? Hey, you're, you're kind to say it. You know, we um, uh, I've been fortunate to play for some great coaches and and winning teams, and it's just kind of always, uh, you know, been that way. I, I've surrounded myself with with good teammates, good coaches, and 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 won more games than we lost at White Station under Terry Tippett. Yeah, you know, I had some good AAU experiences as well, junior high, and all of that. But I think uh, Terry Tippett White Station really we exemplified that. I probably my proudest number that I have is is we were 137 and 10 in four years at White Station <laughs> with with three state titles and and coming from the city of Memphis, that's a uh, that's a lot of wins in a competitive area, and that's not bragging on me, but just pointing towards the, the team mindset and. And we had, uh, I never averaged double figures in high school. And that was just the depth of our team. And nobody cared about their own numbers. And all they cared about was winning. And that's, you know, when you learn that stuff at an early age, um, I think that's something that, as you've seen, too, just just stays with you forever. Can you repeat that, please? Can you, I need you to repeat something for players, (laughs) for players and parents, and and coaches know this, but for players and parents, you you came out of White Station. You won three state championships, AAA, uh, which in Tennessee is the highest level. Uh, and you averaged what in high school? Uh, Nine point four to be exact. And 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 not only that, but uh, to make it even more impressive, I was the leading scorer at nine point four points per game. And you know, whenever I get a chance to talk to young teams or whatever, that's you know, I'll usually start with, "Hey, look, I was." Fortunate enough, I was Gatorade Player of the Year. I was getting recruited by SEC schools. Uh, I was going to Nike All-America camps, and I'll say, you know, how many points per game do you think I was averaging to get all that? Usually it's somewhere guessed in the 20 to 30 range, and I'll tell them, no, it was 9.4. And the reason is is because our team was champions. And the better the team does, the more the individual benefits. (laughs) And, you know, coaches like yourself that would come scout and recruit, they could care less about the kid down the street that was getting 23 points per game, but his his team was 11 and 20. You know, they're looking at the kids that are, you know, 30 and two and might be averaging seven points. I, I was always the coach that uh, whoever won the league always got the player of the year in the league. Uh, whoever won, who if you were, I remember convincing my guys in '09, guys, if if we win, you win. Uh, it doesn't right. matter if you're the. It, it doesn't really matter, uh, especially in the day and age when there was no internet and there was no web. It, 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 people forgot. People didn't know how many points you averaged. They didn't care. If your team won, you won, 
and and I, I've never seen at the end of a NCAA tournament or a, a state tournament that the the losing team that lost in the quarterfinals got five guys on the all tournament team. You know, <laughs> yeah. you, you, you had to give. I, I'm a fan of the the best player on the best team in terms of uh, you know postseason awards. I'm with you. I mean, you you had to give the championship team all the spots on the all tournament team because they they won they won the championship and and that's what you did. I mean, you were and, and what. And we're going to kind of get into Coach Pearl a little bit too, but your career at Tennessee—that was a joke. You nobody goes from a from the point to the four like you went from the point to the four. And in your first two years, you played the point. You played the one and the two, correct? That, that yeah, that's correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and when you played Chattanooga in '05 uh, or in '04, Dane, and you came into court, we we trap you a few times, correct? <laughs> I know we'd get to this. That's right. <laughs> hey, listen, I, I got some. This yeah. may be the first part. We're going to add some video to this podcast of of yeah. us trapping you at the end of the half, and and also of you walking around the neighborhood uh, in a Spider Man uh, leotard. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure you waited for Halloween to use that as an excuse. I mean, your body's still. You look pretty good, buddy, for, yeah, for your no, age. Th- yeah, thanks. Yeah, the, the Spider-Man outfit. It was just coincidence that was Halloween. I mean, that's usually what I wear on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Anyway, I, so. I thought that. I, I don't know, but but actually, you could have traded Spider-Man for Superman because your last two years, uh, you were you were Superman, and you really kind of started. You know, I know Lofton gets some credit for it and all those other guys, but but you really kind of exemplified kind of Bruce Pearl and the climb of, of Tennessee basketball at that time. And, well, I and think, explain that to us. Yeah, I think, you know, and we, our whole team really, it was a special moment in time because we were underdogs, you know, we were counted out. Um, it wasn't It wasn't like today's day and age where a coach takes over a team and they can put a roster together because there's so many transfers going on out there that yep. all of a sudden you have five new faces or whatever. Like, we were familiar faces. And so it was one of those where, uh, you know, co- Coach will say, uh, the good news is we got everybody coming back. The, the bad news is we got everybody coming back from a yep. losing team. Yep. <laughs> and that, yep. that's kind of how people looked at us. And um, so we were the underdogs. But, man, you know, under Bruce Pearl's guidance, put us in positions to, to be successful and you know, that was really when, uh, and it was, it, it was a result of when I got moved to the power forward spot, it was a result of a couple players getting kicked off the team, some big men, and we decided to go small. And I wasn't, you know, I wasn't a fast, quick player, but all of a sudden, if you put me at the four spot, now I was quick for my position yeah. and it became an advantage for us. And what's been really neat is that that, that was, this was a time where, you know, the positionless basketball that phrase wasn't out there and it wasn't popular to have the small ball now the you know draymond green and the golden state warriors i mean they've sensationalized that that's everybody has to have a stretch four and everybody's trying to go smaller but man you know back in 0506 uh, you know pearl was kind of the first one to my knowledge that really embraced that maybe you know Part of that was maybe popular in at the mid-major level, but in terms of the highest level and those teams trying to go to that style, it, it hadn't been done yet. And we were one of the first to do it, and you know we did it, you know, kind of out of necessity, but it, it worked. And um, you know, is Bruce Pearl, you know, giving his players confidence, and um, 
you know, it's just kind of one of those lessons of just be ready for your opportunity. And if that opportunity comes at power forward because somebody gets kicked off the team, so be it. And uh, I was fortunate to be there. Well, you said something um, that I think all young coaches, as this podcast, we're trying to help young coaches or young players. So far, you've done both. Uh, but but you said something, putting players in a position to be successful. And, and, and that's a gift of a coach. Uh, just because, you know, I, I watch uh, my oldest son plays at UAH uh, down in Huntsville, and Lenny Acuff puts guys in position to be successful. Their best post player is a six foot one point guard. And he puts them down there and he puts them in a position for him to be successful. Bruce Pearl did that for you. And as a coach, that is a gift. Don't, you know, not everybody, if everybody uh, could shoot it, great. But some guys need to play here and some guys need to play there. And it doesn't matter really what size and kind of as you go back, positionless basketball. And he, he did a great job of putting you in a spot. Where you know, I mean, I kind of read a few things. Dave Odom was talking about you're the MVP of the SEC because of what you did for your team. Yeah, I think it. You know, when it all comes down to it, as a coach, you know, especially if you don't have the most talented rosters out there, I mean, it's it's really it's it's a lot easier to put people in position to be successful if if you got a pretty loaded roster. But sometimes when when you're not as talented and you're not winning as many games you get so caught up in looking at your individual players and you start focusing on what they can't, can't do. But if you can focus on what they can do, that's the first step, you know, of, of getting them in that position to be successful. And to your point, if it's, Hey, this kid's undersized, but man, he can front the post better than anybody we got. Let's make him our post player. Or, you know, this kid really plays well in space in the half court. He's, he's, he turns it over a lot. Well, how can we dictate the tempo and speed the game up a little bit for them? So, you know, there, there's countless examples, but I think it all just goes back to, you know, focusing on what the kid can do instead of what he can't do. And then not only will your team be better, but the player's going to have a lot more confidence because, you know, a, a lot of these players, whether they're too proud to admit it or not, but, you know, these athletes are as insecure as any humans out there i mean they, they know what their weaknesses are sometimes they'll be in denial and be stubborn about it but you know if, if it's getting exposed game in game out they they lose confidence and you lose confidence in them so um it's just about trying to to focus on you know all the strengths that a player has and you know hide their weaknesses as best you can and you sure you didn't want to get in coaching because you, i mean you, you you talk like a coach forget about the broadcast if if you as a coach <laughs> can focus on what the player can do. And I think young coaches, y'all need to listen to that. Focus on what they can do instead of dwelling on what they can't do. You know, work on the stuff that they can't do, but really focus and get really good on what they can do. And if, if a guy can really shoot it, man, get him in a space where he can make shots or it's your job to find him a ways to get shots and so he can shoot the ball and play to his strength. Uh, Coach, yeah. Coach Bradshaw, you're pretty good, buddy. No, I don't know, man. I've, I've just been I've been around uh, enough good coaches and, and experienced it. But, you know, I mean, the, the purpose of your podcast is to give personal experiences on this stuff, and I've I benefited greatly from it. I've been on both ends of it. I'm not going to throw other coaches that I've had under the bus, but I'll talk more about the great experiences that I had in it. And it was always that way, whether it was Coach Tippett at White Station or Bruce Pearl at Tennessee and – you know, because I was a player that that had my share of weaknesses due to athleticism, speed, 
not a great shot, all those things that you mentioned in the open. I didn't but, mention that. I was just joking. I was just no, kidding. No, hey, it's the truth, though. But the, the beauty of it was when, man, you know, when I had a coach say, but, you know, hey, despite all that, we're, we're usually better when he's on the court or look at the plus minus or whatever it might be. And, and when you're a player that can bring something to the table, it, there's nothing more frustrating than having a coach that, that can't recognize some of that. And you know you're not perfect, but, man, when you do get a coach that can embrace that, uh, it means a lot. Now, you know, everybody has their different styles, but I'll, I'll tell you, I mean, Pearl was, was so great at um, giving players confidence. Even And so, sometimes I was, you know, too smart for my own good in that matter because I knew when he'd be trying to pump up confidence that, that wasn't real. He's like, man, you know, Bradshaw, you're about to get hot, man. I can feel it. I'm like, yeah, I appreciate it, coach. You're saying that I'm two for my last 20. Like, you know, like, but you know, in the film room and stuff, if a guy wasn't playing good, we'd be, you know, we might be watching film of the previous game and he'd point out, you know, the best screen that got set the entire game could be this player right here. And, and you knew internally in your mind, I was like, all right, he's doing that because that guy hadn't had much good PR for the past five games and coaches trying to, point him out you know amongst the team and talk about something good he's doing and so everybody's got their own own style but um you know and you got to it's a fine line because you want to you want to be real with the players you want to give them confidence uh, you know but it you know as long as they're accountable then you can continue to do that if they take advantage of all the praise that you're giving them and it makes it feel like the bad things they've done are okay and getting dismissed then it doesn't work so i, I think it's just having that judgment, being able to read if you have an accountable team or not. If, if they're accountable players, you can pay them compliments because they're going to be hard enough on themselves. But if you got some guys that are pretty soft, then then you might have to, uh, you know, send, send a message at times. You just got to convince them that they're tough. But I mean, there's nothing better for a coach to do uh, than give a kid belief. And and we're, we are at a strange time. Uh, in the game of basketball and kids growing up, everybody's got belief and too almost sometimes too much belief. Uh, but you, you know, you kind of hit on on Coach Pearl a little bit. Give us give young coaches two or three things. What makes him different? What makes him special? Uh, I love the fact that you brought up. You know what made you different and special? Guys averaging nine points a game now take. I mean that that's. Uh, you know I can't do that and and parents are going. I mean Dane, you got to get some shots up, man. We got to get recognized. We got to get. Once again, if your team wins, you win. But what makes Bruce Pearl Bruce Pearl? Yeah, and I'll I'll say with Pearl or any coaches, and I've I've had the pleasure of getting to cover a bunch of them with the SEC Network. You know you got to be yourself and when you go from an assistant to a head coach or if you go from a graduate assistant to an assistant coach yeah you might have to wear a different hat but if you try to be somebody you're not it's going to come off fake the players won't respect it you know and, and pearl was that way i mean he he coached in a time when you know pat summit was still at the at the very top and still is to this day, even in her passing. But when she, she had Candace Parker and they're winning national championships and she was kind of the standard of coaching. And, and he'd always say, he was like, man, I learned so much from her, but at the end of the day, I, you know, I gotta be myself. I can't be exactly like Pat summit. If I try to mimic that to my players, they'll be like, wait, you know, who, who is this guy? So you, you got to find what works best for you. Um, be willing to adjust and learn 
I mean, to, to keep with the Tennessee theme a little bit, I mean, look at the this, the feature on uh, Rick Barnes yesterday on yep. SportsCenter. I mean, here's a guy that talked about, you know, when he was younger, he would get on the players, but looking back on it, he wasn't getting on the players to make them better. He was getting on them because they, they weren't doing a, much, a good enough job to make him win. And it was all about him getting that next step in his coaching career and the resume. And now – now he's just he's in it for all the right reasons, and it's just about team and and you see the identity that's created because it does. I mean, the the identity that a coach brings is the greatest example of it. It all starting from the top down, and uh, you see it with Bruce Pearl, or whether it's just defensive minded coaches, uh, Bob Huggins, or Rick Barnes. We talked about Frank Martin. You know, those teams take on the identity of their coach and. Um, and if you truly want them to do that, then you better be yourself and, and it better be a good identity. And you got to be willing to look in the mirror and admit where, where you're wrong and uh, not to ramble too much. The other thing I've seen, some of the biggest strengths and weaknesses between coaches, don't, don't be afraid to hire people that are better than you in certain areas. Man, if, if you're insecure and you're out there like not wanting to get exposed a little bit on things you're not great at, you know, you're going to hire a weaker staff than you should, and before you know it, you know, you're, you're going to be out the door. Well, I, you make – I ain't going to lie. You, you, you probably could be an AD, Dane. Uh, is former <laughs> former's not worried. I mean, people I love you're you. I you're in the agency business now, but you're sounding like a good agent for I, I'm going to tell you. Uh, no, I, I think going back to the coach, I think you've got to be comfortable. Absolutely. You better be comfortable in your own skin. Uh, because you've got to, you know, like Bruce Pearl and Rick Barnes are opposite guys. I mean, completely opposite guys, but at the end of the day, they, they both win. And and I, I've known Coach Barnes for a long time, known Coach Pearl for a long time. And uh, what, what Rick Barnes has done is, but he's done it in his own way. But he's probably more comfortable in his own skin now than he was when he was 35 years old. And, and same thing with, with Bruce. He's already had his gone through his adversity, and now he's really, really comfortable in his own skin. He knows how to coach. That's what people don't understand about Bruce is he can really, really coach. Uh, he can really coach the game. It's not – you know, it's, 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 it is a lot of fun to go coach a, a Bradshaw and a Lofton and, and try to figure out a way to, to, to win, and now he's, got, now he's got better Bradshaws and better Loftons, and now he's winning more. But you've got to be comfortable in your own skin, and you've been around – start with Terry Tippett. You've been around some of the best in, in the country. Well, and, you know, and going back to the roster, I mean, I think, and Pearl would admit this too, as, as you start to grow as a coach and then all of a sudden you have access, I mean, Rick Barnes is going to be that way right now. Not a single person on that number one Tennessee team until last night, you know, blowout at Kentucky, but none of them are a top 100 kid. But now all of a sudden he has access to all these top 100, top 20, top 10 even type kids. And I saw this happen at, with Bruce Pearl, too, where he was winning with mid-major type talent. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you have access to better athletes, more highly touted recruits. But do they fit your system? Um, Shaka Smart struggling right now at Texas. I think a big part of that was transitioning from VCU and the type of players he had, the hungry, you know, shorter you know, they could control the tempo, and then you get a different type of athlete that doesn't fit that system. And it happened some when Bruce started to get more recruits, and it became an adjustment period. And um, and you got to be willing to, to make adjustments to, to best fit 
your roster. Uh, but at the same time, I think in hindsight, Bruce, Shaka, Smart, or any of those guys would say, you know, once I had access to those players, I, you know, maybe I got so um, enamored with the type of player I could get that I started to neglect the type of system that we have. And I think that's a, a really a, a fine line um, and not getting too greedy with the type of players that you can recruit. It's called don't getting tricked by talent. And, <laughs> yes. and, and, and it's hard. And it's hard. And you're exactly right. You know, when, when Rick Barnes went got to Tennessee, it wasn't popular to go play basketball at Tennessee. So he got the guys that fit him, fit his system. And you're right now. He can go get involved with whoever he wants to. Same thing with Bruce Pearl. I had long talks with Coach Pearl about, you know, he did. He had a mid-major. Y'all played with a mid-major mindset. You play, you know, that's why uh, Scholar McBee can go be a good player at the University of Tennessee, and, and we recruited right. him. It, it was it came down to Chattanooga at East Tennessee State and walking on at Tennessee. Uh, but he kind of fit that. He fit that. And the higher level you go, if you just get tricked by talent, uh, it, it can really – it can take you down. And, and he wasn't as successful uh, with those great players as he was kind of the mid-major types. And the same thing with, with Rick Barnes. you got to stay true to who you are in your system. And I always go back, and I everybody thinks I'm in love with, with Rick Bird, and I am in love with Rick Bird. He, you and, should be. Everybody should be. Uh, <laughs> because he has stayed true – to Belmont, he has stayed true to his system. He has stayed true to his recruitment. Um, of Mike Young at Wofford, you know, all mm-hmm. of a sudden, you know, here it's going to get tricky now. Mike Young at Wofford, they're what fifteen and zero in the Southern Conference. They're phenomenal. They're almost a borderline top twenty-five team. They had one of the worst places to play in in the country, and now they've got a brand new fifty-two million dollar uh, arena, the Jerry Richardson Indoor Stadium. Fifty-two million dollars. That's yeah. what that's what you and Thunder made last year, Dane. Fifty-two <laughs> million. So they got a fifty-two million dollar arena. Now you got to stay true to who you are, and and Mike Young staying true to who he is. It's very difficult, and and it kind of goes back. We did a podcast on on kind of cancer, not the disease, but cancers on your team, and and once you bring in one or two, and then all of a sudden they start outweighing the good guys. Now you got some issues. Um, and now you can't recover from that. And uh, well, but I'm and assuming you see that, that all the level, time. Though, and and guys of that experience, I, I talked with Kermit Davis, um, head coach at Ole Miss, who'd been at Middle Tennessee State for what 15 plus years and more than paid his dues. But all the guys that you just mentioned, they with their experience, you know, they can sense that stuff out. Like, hey, where are these problems start to come up? Or, hey, I don't, that player's body language, this could manifest into something bigger, you know, and all of a sudden it becomes that cancer that you're talking about. And what I've loved seeing, and it's happened a lot in the SEC, but is instead of just hiring the young and up-and-coming coach that, you know, might be in his 30s and, yeah, they went on to a Sweet 16 run, but, you know, other than that, there's not much on the coaching resume. And that used to be the popular hire for ADs all around the country. And now you're starting to see, wait a minute, uh, Rick Barnes is not, you know, a recycled <laughs> coach. He's, he hadn't peaked yet. And Tennessee picks him up. Uh, Bruce Pearl left for different reasons in Tennessee, but he still got it at Auburn. You know, Frank Martin was a lateral move over to South Carolina. He takes them to a Final Four. Then Howland 
Uh, maybe he's not washed up. He's about to take Mississippi State to an NCAA tournament. Yep. And, and and now Kermit Davis going to be able to do that in the first year. My, my good buddy Steve Forbes at East Tennessee State, he's one of those examples where it's like, hey, you know, get past the fact that these guys are in their 50s. I mean, all that means is they got 20 good years ahead of them, you know, <laughs> and, all and, that... and they got 20 good years behind them. Behind so, them. You know, I love, I love all the names you're mentioning because, you know, yes, it's been a while, Rick Bird at Belmont and, and Mike Young at Wofford, but, man, if I'm an, an AD, I'm not giving up on uh, on trying to maybe get them to a big job if it opens up. Well, what happens is uh, AD's wait. I'm not picking on AD's, but AD's wait – uh, whoever makes that run in the NCAA tournament, uh, I pluck him out. Well, maybe yeah. he's struggled for two years, and they just had a one-year yeah. run, all right? right? And and he is the flavor of the month, and all of a sudden, boy, do I look good. I look good in that press conference. And the yeah. problem is, um, the press conference lasts uh, an hour, and your career lasts way more than an hour. And you can't just focus on that press conference. You got to make the right decision, Kermit. Well, and the smart play is to get somebody that maybe didn't make the tournament that lost in their, you know, the Southern Conference Championship or whatever it might be, and couldn't get to it. And guess what? He's not the flavor of the month. And now you can get them cheaper because you don't have to compete against everybody. Well, <laughs> but you got to be willing to to take that PR risk of, hey, I'm I know my fan base might not be excited on day one of the press conference. But just wait till uh, we're a non-conference play, and this guy's knocking it out of the park. I mean, it's like Kermit. I think Kermit's one of the elite coaches in America. And, yeah. and if you just had gone off of last year, um, I, I remember going down and watching them practice right after they clinched the regular season. Well, they get upset in the tournament. So they clinched the reg- regular season championship. They get beat, yeah. I think, by Marshall in the last game of the regular season. And then they got beat again by Marshall, I think, in the in the tournament. And so all of a sudden, you know, I, I'm assuming because Kermit didn't go to the NCAA tournament last year, he, he, was, he had forgotten, absolutely forgotten how to coach. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't right. a good coach anymore and because he didn't go to the tournament. Well, that, that's, you know, for, for mid-major leagues, and I was a head coach at Chattanooga, lucky enough to go to two NCAA tournaments. But for a mid-major league, uh, it really comes down to you better be good and you better be lucky and you better have the right matchups and that ball better go in that basket for three days in March. And if it does, you're a hero. And if it doesn't, you know you're not you're not hot. And and it's it's a um, you're right. It's a tough profession out there. But ads just can't want to make that popular hire at that moment because there's a lot of good people out there. Uh, you, you mentioned Steve Forbes. There's some high level guys in the Southern, high level guys all over the country. But really, you just can't go off the last game or two. That was Eddie Fogler's major. I mean, he hated guys who said uh, ads and administrations going. Well, let's just see how they finish. Let's see if they yeah. win the last two games of right. the of the season. So if you win the last two games, we want you. And right. if you don't win the last two games, we don't want you anymore. So what what does eighty minutes of basketball have anything to do with if you want that coach or not? Uh, I'm I'm completely with you, and you know, Carmen Davis is the the perfect example because he's the most recent one, and I'm thrilled for his success because I hope it continues this pattern of, you know, not looking at the last two games, but looking at the last ten years for some of these guys, and and make a decision off of that because 
it doesn't matter. You know, some will say, oh, yeah, well, yeah, they, they, they did that because they had a lot of transfers or they, they use a lot of JUCO guys. You know, it doesn't matter if, if, if you've got a good coach that knows how to coach them up and do all the things we've talked about on this podcast. It doesn't matter if you put them at Harvard or if you put them at um, the school to get in academically in America. They're going to find guys and they're going to get wins. And, um, you know, the, the, you know, the winners are winners. And, and I hope that, uh, that we start to, uh, or continue to see that, that trend. And, and we'll see in this off season with, you know, the FBI impact still hitting over. And so we'll see what openings may come up that maybe weren't, weren't expected. And, and which, you know, again, could be a win for, for the good guys that, that we've mentioned on this show. <laughs> well, I've talked about the, uh, I actually did an interview with someone. He asked me about the FBI deal. And I said, either do, you know, this is their chance. All right. This is the NCAA's chance. Either either take the tapes uh, after the last trial has been um, played out, take the tapes and clean it up, uh, or and really clean it up, or just let it turn, <laughs> or just let it go and let it be the wild, wild west and have a good time. And uh, you can line up after an AAU tournament. And have your checkbooks out there and rhyme a check and go play ball. Or or really do a good job right now. This is the NCAA's chance to, I think, really clean it up if they will use their opportunity. Yeah, I'm really anxious to see what they do. And it's going to be tough because, uh, you know, you're right. The easy way would be, okay, look, the FBI already did its thing. Yes, we have tapes, but we're just going to move on. <laughs> and because the, the challenge is going to be, you know, at least from what you read out there is, it's not going to be an instant, uh, instance where they only got tapes on on some of the uh, expendable schools. Exactly. You know? And so if they're going to take down, uh, you know, the the, the less um, um, financially impactful school on the NCAA tournament versus some of the big dogs that they make a lot of money off of, they're going to have to do both. And so, um, yeah, a- but, but the advisory, the, the committee and all that, you know, I respect all the people that they have on that board. I'm not saying the name of the board correctly, but at the same time, you know, as well as anybody, it's like, you know, to me, put a couple guys on there that have been at the JUCO ranks or coached some AAU or been some of the top recruiters across the country, you know, as opposed to somebody that you would hire as a CEO. I want somebody that's been in the weeds that Absolutely. knows how stuff got done. Absolutely. Cause they don't, they don't, CEOs don't understand. They are yeah. so far removed they're flying at 15,000 feet. Find some guys who've been running around the jungle. Find some guys who've been running around the weeds and, and, and exactly right. But they don't ever do that. Uh, if you really want to know what's going on in college basketball, hire a former assistant, pay him a lot of money, and say, help us clean this up. And, and this is what's being ha- – this is what's going on. But that's another – listen, we could do a whole – we could do about a five-hour podcast on, on it. All right, let me ask the last thing because you've been phenomenal, a lot better than I thought you'd be, just like as a player, Dane. All right, all right, let me ask you this. As, as, okay, so two things. Number one, it, I've, I've got a lot of Tennessee fans that are now in the mope because of, of last night. And I said, y'all, uh, that was great. For the University of Tennessee. That was what they needed, uh, especially at the end of the year. That's exactly what they needed. Lipscomb got the other night um, the exactly what they needed uh, to kind of clean themselves up and go back and refocus. Uh, you're a Tennessee guy, correct? Incorrect. Getting blasted by Kentucky last night. Would you not rather be blasted by Kentucky right now or in the tournament? Uh, I totally agree. 
because there's a good chance Tennessee will see Kentucky three times before the NCAA tournament. And losing at Rupp, losing on your home court later in the season, or losing in the SEC tournament. Like, it, it was, you, you know, Tennessee wasn't going to win three in a row against Kentucky. I mean, that was as good as they are. It's it's tough enough to beat a team twice, much yep. less a good team three times. So, yeah, it exposed some things, and, and Tennessee missed some shots they that they normally make. But, um, and, you know, Grant Williams hadn't – Grant Williams hadn't necessarily been getting the whistle. I mean, that that he he got you know say against Vanderbilt when he was at the free throw line twenty three straight times, and uh, I would you know I wouldn't be surprised. I'm not making excuses, but you know he was he was getting a really favorable whistle that seems to have come down here recently. When you look at the first half of that game and no free throws at all for that, Tennessee, there was and, a- and they they didn't give him any free throws for Kentucky either. So I'm not saying that as an excuse, but when that guy like. I think 25% of his points came from the free throw line, something like that. That's a big part of his game. And so when he's not getting there as frequently, you know, all right, we we got to make some adjustments. Well, that was a grown man's game last night. If you if you were a grown man, you couldn't have played in that game. Uh, and also, you better be in shape because the officials didn't blow the whistle for like two media timeouts. You would have hated yeah. that as a as a as I a. I know Jordan Bone was out there trying to speed everybody up, man. He was he was in better shape than anybody. He was the only he, guy in guy good shape. Grant yeah. Williams looked at him going, "We we slow down. Let's run a couple sets. Let's yeah, run a couple funny. sets." And as a color guy on, on on SEC Network, as a color guy, you would have hated that because you didn't get on TV a lot. And you're yeah. a, you know you're an attractive guy. That's why you're doing color. All right. Uh, uh, how many how many teams get in, in the tournament from the SEC? Oh, um, a bunch. Yeah, you know, they, they say eight. I'm going. I'm going to go seven. I just think Alabama, Florida. I, I think one of those. I, don't, I think only one of those two get in rather than both. Uh, can, can an SEC uh, SEC team win a national championship this year? Oh, of course, absolutely. I think they've got. Um, you know, what, going into the season, you thought that would be three teams, Kentucky, Tennessee, Auburn. As the season went on, you thought it was only Tennessee. Now as we get further into it, Kentucky's certainly in that mix, as we saw last night with Auburn still figuring things out. I, I just don't think Auburn will get a high enough seed yeah. to position themselves well enough, even though I think they can peak later on. I just don't think their seeding's going to give them a good enough path to to be a contender. Uh, Tennessee's got a chance. I think after last night, I think they have a chance to go win it because of last night. And probably Kentucky's got a chance to win it because of last night, too, because I think they kind of showed themselves, oh, man, I mean, we do have some five-star guys, and we're pretty good at what we can do. If they defend like that and they're physical like that, uh, I, I think they got a chance to uh, – they really defend. It's probably his, one of his better defensive teams. Uh, well, it's become their identity. And, and you know, he's – he said last year he had to coach a lot more effort, and coaches hate that, as you know. In this team, that, that hadn't that, that toughness maybe hadn't been consistently there, but you can tell that it that, that it was you know within the realm of possibilities for them. And Ashton Hagen's being the head of the snakes there, and that identity, and he's brought the best out of PJ Washington, who's been been sensational. But long way to go, man. We'll, we'll see. Well, if you got if you got a Hagen's out there pressuring that ball coming down the floor. It juices up everybody else, and so you got you got to head that snake out there going after it. Then everybody else kind of gets a little juiced up, and they defend. And uh, who's better, Dane Bradshaw or, or Hero for Kentucky? <laughs> hey man, Hero, it's what it is, man. I, I know where my strengths and weaknesses are. He, uh, 
I, I love him, man. First of all, to answer your question, clearly hero, but you know he's I, phenomenal. I love, yeah, and, and there's there's a great story on him in the athletic how he didn't make the McDonald's All American team, and his his coach, uh, or his, excuse me, his, his dad said, you know, when it got released, the first thing he did was he got mad. And he picked up his gym bag, got his ball, and went straight to the gym that night. I mean, well, that's a great lesson for young players out there. Do no, it's just it's just amazing, about. amazing what what some of those kids, you know, either pout, either pout, whine, and complain and pout about it, or you do something about it. And and he did something about it because he he was like, he's my favorite player on their on their team. He was phenomenal. But you were one of my favorite players. And let me just say, there's no way Hero can walk around. Uh, a neighborhood wearing a Spider-Man outfit like Dane Bradshaw. <laughs> Especially with no kids in sight. A- absolutely. Listen, take yeah, take your children next time. You just walk around by yourself, <laughs> and it looks a little funny because you're a little too old to, to, to trick-or-treat like that. But, you know, you look pretty good in that outfit. Hey, Dane, thanks so much for your time today and really appreciate it. And you're doing a great job with the SEC Network, and you got a huge career in that. You're one of those guys that could – uh, you got a huge career, whatever you want to do, because going back to uh, – I'm assuming that when you were a little peewee playing middle school, your team's won in middle school, correct? Yeah, yeah, man. We we uh, we had a pretty good run, so. Well, I'm assuming that you've won in middle school, won in high school, won in college, won in life. Uh, you're doing pretty good. I, I'm assuming you're a winner. Why don't you come work with me? You make me look better. No, I don't know Man, I, I'm I'm only as good as the people that are around me, and you know I just don't think that you and I that I, I don't know how much I would compliment your talent and vice versa. I'm still trying to find my talent, my friend. You, hey, you you'd be bringing me down, taking me back to old five Chattanooga. Oh man, trapping every time, and I'd be you know getting losing confidence every day you thought double fist and 42 you thought we were calling a number we no, we were trapping the living fire out of you young man all right yeah. that goes back to carolina action buzz knew what we were doing uh you just didn't hey listen yeah. thanks so much for your time uh phenomenal fun, phenomenal advice for players great advice for coaches thanks for your insight appreciate your time you got it thanks so much all right buddy take care